Hey, listener, have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Whatever you love to talk about, we know there are listeners out there who will love to hear it. Start your podcast with Acast and join the world's best podcasters, including Mark Marin, Anna Ferris, and over 66,000 other creators. You can get started completely free at Acast.com. You're listening to Pop, the History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Welcome to part two of this interview with Raz Lindwell of Rob and Raz fame. At the end of part one, Raz recounted the beginnings of their European and American hit Got to Get, which featured Layla Kay. Here he continues that story with their performance on Top of the Pops, the British music show. First of all, the Top of the Pops, uh, I knew it from uh, uh, my very young childhood because uh, once a month, uh, my mother said, let's go to, to the record store and you can buy a record, me and my brother. And they have this collection and it was Top of the Pops, an album. And I think it was covers from great songs, but it was very good looking girls on the, on the cover. And we didn't know what songs it was. So me and my brother was just arguing about the, the, who, who is the cutest girl and fighting over that. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so and at the end, we uh, take turns of choosing. So that's how I got the new Top of the Pops. I didn't know it was a TV show or something like that. But uh, of course, I got to know it um, later. But we had a very good um, uh, collaboration with Arista UK because we were like uh, saying, you know this market and uh, we know it a little, but uh, take uh, you make the decisions, you know, uh, how we gonna how you think we're gonna look and stuff like that we we don't care do your best so we were not like artists yeah this is my style and my you know we said take care of it and we ended up you know in changing go to uh, this i was so tired of visiting uh, stores with uh, designers and clothes and try things with the stylist and stuff like that so uh, pretty much we, we let uh, the record company arrange it because they, and they, they did a good job with it. Yeah, the performance is also very frenetic. I mean, it's so energy-packed. Yeah. And, of course, Leila Kay is uh, a sort of firebomb, isn't she? I mean, in, in more ways than one, really. Uh, how the process of working with Leila changed over time when did it when did it start changing everything went so fast and uh, but when we were sitting in you know cars or trains or airplanes we, we start talking with her and she was very good at uh, when she was on stage even when we did tours in sweden uh, uh, she really delivered but uh, suddenly she didn't uh, show up and uh, suddenly she was in her own world, so to speak. So we had to, um, you know, make arrangements that uh, she was in time and stuff like that with other people. And almost like in the end, private investigators look, where is she now in Stockholm? And, you know, <laughs> and uh, 
at that time, me and Rob was also very young, and but we had the we had been DJing and doing this stuff and working nights. So, but uh, he was new to it. So I understand afterwards that it must have been a little shock for just from being nothing to a great star. <clears throat> but we didn't think about that when we were young because we just want look. We want uh, forward, forward. We want to be number one. We want to be in the States and all the rest of the Europe. And uh, so at first she went, just kind of went along, uh, but small problems start to, started to appear. Yeah, I mean, she did have a, a completely wild reputation at one point. I mean, she was a lovely person. I, I absolutely really liked her. And I remember having a party at the Burns Hotel in my room and Layla was there and they rang up from reception and said, get that effing woman out of your room. And I didn't know why. And then later I found out what she'd done the week before and maybe it's best left to the imagination in the hotel. And it shocked the guy so much that he wouldn't allow her back in. But I sort of, I, I, I really liked her because she had a, an amazing energy and she had um, an amazing character. But I just think that maybe fame was too much for her to deal with. Yeah. Um, what, what was the process with Layla? Because at one point you couldn't work with her anymore. That was, that was clear that probably, you know, that no one could work with her anymore. Um, and that process was clear. So, so how, how did you have to change to develop without Layla? And maybe you can tell me if you know whatever happened to her and where she is today. Yeah, we, we, um, we started to notice as you know things uh, because we, we were very professional me and Rob I mean we went out in the clubs at night and stuff but since being DJs you, you can't miss a gig and you can't miss a time you know and uh, the worst thing happened uh, in Brixton in London uh, where just when we got signed and we started to you know get a bus in London and some, uh, I think some people from the German record companies uh, and even from the States went to see us in Brixton. It was uh, uh, Soul to Souls Club, the Fridge, I think it was called. And uh, it, um, a lot of uh, journalists and stuff like that. And uh, so we, we was gonna do one song, and, but me and Rob started with this uh, performance about two or three minutes with scratching and stuff because we, we were known since we've been on the BBC and Royal Albert Hall in London and uh, recently. So, so we did, did this short DJ show and then uh, got to get started. Uh, and it was always, uh, it was never sing back, always playback. Uh, so, because she had some trouble with the lyrics sometimes. And, the, and then she was supposed to come out and the song started and she didn't turn up on stage at the, in the intro. And I, I, I was, I remember people were screaming. I was thinking it was one second was like one year in my mind. I think, okay, let her come into the uh, uh, first verse. No, she didn't appear. Okay, if she comes into the chorus, it could be a cool thing that afterwards to show it was playback. She didn't appear. And then the second verse, and then people start looking around. 
and uh, she comes in in the last bridge and do the uh, last course and went out. And there was a Swedish journalist there and everybody talked about what happened and why. And that's a lot of theories, but... Uh, uh, and then we, we did a lot of uh, touring after we uh, got big in uh, in the States also. I remember one month we had um, 36 flights in one month. And then it was like uh, New York and then back to the Top of the Pops, England, and then uh, Philadelphia and then Paris to do a TV show. So we were just, uh, and I think she, she got kind of drained by that. And, um, but the ultimate uh, thing was that we did 1990, the first uh, folk park tour. We had this thing in Sweden that uh, people, big uh, folk parks. And it was, uh, I mean, they, they, uh, you, they uh, have like 20,000 or 10,000 people. Or, and we did the first, uh, we were the first to do a, a show with dance music and it was uh, very popular and very appreciated. And uh, in the middle of that uh, tour, we had a two week break and everybody in the tour bus uh, were talking, oh, so, so what are you gonna do? Yeah, I'm gonna go to my countryside with my family and you, yeah, I'm gonna go to Copenhagen to sail a boat. and. And Leila was quiet and somebody asked her, what are you, what are you going to do? And she didn't have a plan. And she just said, I want to go to Ibiza. And I was like, oh no, that's not good. You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. I tried to talk talk her out of it, and uh, she said uh, to the tour company that uh, if I don't, if you don't get the tickets to Ibiza, I won't do the rest of the tour. And that's when she learned how to uh, sort of uh, use this uh, "if you don't, I won't" theory. And I said to the tour company that don't send her there, and they said we have no choice. And uh, yeah, okay, pick her up at the airport uh, when she comes back to Sweden three days before the uh, continuing of the tour. And uh, they went out to Arlanda in Stockholm and no Leila appears. And I said, you go to Ibiza uh, and get her. And one guy from the tour went there and he, he just got the smack on his, like this, leave me alone. <laughs> And then me and Rob got sued because we uh, arranged the tour and uh, uh, for a, a lot of money because uh, we had the contracts with these folk parks. And How much we, money was it? Uh, at that time, it was uh, like three or four hundred thousand crowns, which was ve very much at that time. And we hadn't started getting any royalties whatsoever. So we had to. Uh, do a lot of gigs for free and we took in Dayin and Papadi and some other artists and said, okay, let's do this show anyway. But it was not the same because we had the big hits with Leila. So that's when uh, we, the, we kind of broke up and we said we cannot uh, uh, work with her because we wanted uh, 
we wanted to do so many things. And even when we start working with her, we wanted to do with the uh, singing vocalists and stuff like that. That was the idea of Robin Rass. And now when you have uh, other concept groups like Swedish House Mafia or whatever, it, it's not uh, a strange thing for people. But at that time, they, the journalists, uh, at least in Sweden, uh, they, and uh, they really don't understand what we wanted to do. So actually, in this tour, when she left, if it, it's uh, you can find it on uh, YouTube. Uh, I, I start feeling like it's going to be some problems. So uh, before the tour, we're going to print this very big backdrop, and that was. At that time, it was so expensive to do a backdrop with the picture. And it was only one place in the uh, whole Scandinavia that could do it. And it costed like 100,000 crowns. And we should have the album cover, uh, Robin Rass featuring Leila Kay album cover. And I was uh, I was sending uh, the, the picture. And I was lying one night and said, maybe Leila's going to... I was feeling... It's, something was not going to do right. So I said, no, stop the press. We, we, let's do the backdrop like Leila Kay there and Robin Rast there. So if something happens, we could just take the scissors and keep the Robin Rast backdrop. And that's actually what, what happened. <laughs> when was the last time you saw her then? Then uh, uh, everybody was asking stuff and we were doing our own things. We found Lutricia and David and stuff like that. And people were asking, are you going to do something, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, she, she wrote, she, when she was in prison sometime, uh, maybe 15 years ago, she wrote me a letter and stuff like that. And um, I think Rob met her on, because she was homeless for a while. And uh, uh, she, yeah, you could see her in uh, like on a train station or something. But in uh, tw uh, uh, 2016 or 2017, <clears throat> we have this uh, mutual friend uh, called Vito Ingrosso, uh, which is the father of Ingrosso in um, Swedish House Mafia. And we, he was our dancer and at the, in the 80s. So we knew each other and he had some contact with Leila. And he said, uh, Leila wants to do a thing uh, here in Sweden. It's, uh, it's not public. And uh, can you do uh, get to get with her? And I said, yeah, of course we do it. So we went uh, to this small place and we did it. And people were like, what, the, what is this? And Leila on stage. And we did the two songs or so. And uh, it went kind of, she almost didn't appear on stage and it was like normal. But then Vito started talk, talking to her and I said, uh, and also I talked to her and I said, uh, we, if you want, we can do a setup. We can try to make a tour, but we have some, uh, some uh, demands. Uh, because, uh, I mean, that is, we will always have a doctor with us because we don't want to be responsible for, I mean, if she, she's not fit for it or up for it. And, and then maybe the tour company could get you an apartment and uh, 
maybe if you want to study something like that, we can fix that. And if you want to get your life together, we can try. But we, so, but, so we booked actually four or five gigs in Finland because we didn't want any Swedish press uh, because it would be crazy. So, and the big festivals. And we went there and, and did, uh, I think it was five gigs. We did four of them uh, and it went well. But then uh, and I, was, I said to Vito, you must be at, at least five meters from Leila during this whole pro- process and don't leave her. But then Vito went, went on vacation before the last gig and Leila was living in a hotel and then she just disappeared. And that was the last time you saw her. Yeah. Want your voice to be heard across Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and hundreds of other podcast apps? Then you should start a podcast with Acast. Whatever you love to talk about, there's an audience out there who wants to hear it. Acast amplifies your voice to millions of listeners around the world with all the tools you need to create, grow, and make money from your podcast. You can get started completely free at Acast.com. You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. So after Layla, you you moved on and you worked with Deflex or David and Lutricia uh, McNeil um, and uh, created, uh, in essence, um, a, a sort of different different sound what yeah. were you aiming for at that time what was your goal yeah as uh, uh uh was actually in one song with uh, on the first Layla album and we got to know because he worked with dennis pop uh, before and it didn't have any success but we we got to know each other really well so we became very close friends and still are today and uh, so we said, I mean, he was not the best rapper at that time, but uh, we were so good friends with him and he was so nice to be around. So we said, let's do something with him, but we need like a, a American gospel type singer because we wanted this powerful, uh, we want to work with rap and singing vocals and write melodies and stuff for singers. And then we found uh, Latricia. So we formed this uh, DLC, uh, David Lutisha combination. And uh, Lutisha was living in Stockholm at that time. She's from Oklahoma from the beginning. And uh, she, um, she was actually here doing a safe sex tour. Uh, and he met the Swedish guy and she got pregnant. So she stayed in Sweden. <laughs> she got pregnant on a safe sex tour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, that's a better story than Jesus and Mary, I think. Uh, <laughs> um, how was it for you to have international success at that time in Sweden? Um, because it must have made you the focus of everything that was going on. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was like uh, when we woke up uh, late afternoon, I, I bought the newspaper to see what did we do yesterday. You know, it was always small notice and stuff like that. But the good thing for me and Rob uh, was that we had been de- DJing for so long. So we were not feeling 
like ah, now I'm a star and I can be like uh, I want and we it, it was it wasn't we, we always the thing we like was to have close contact to everybody we did interviews for small radio stations I'm just coming back from top of the pops that had I mean 10 listeners so we we, uh, we said uh, and school magazines uh, one day it was the sun and the next it was a school magazine, uh, so we we tried to keep our feet on the ground, and and so so we we would just have it was great for us. We had a good time. I mean, with club hopping, you continued your success yeah. in in Sweden, um, and um, I think you you had one of your biggest hits because of uh, that album in Sweden. What it also. Club hopping was also a, a, the name of the TV show on ZTV yeah. um, that you hosted. Can you tell me a little bit about that and how it was to host a TV show? It was great, but uh, we uh, three days before the actual channel started, they, uh, this guy calls me. I not knowing because I've done radio before in Sweden, and I said, "Yeah, yeah can you do this show?" And I said, I said "Yes." We said yeah, always yes, and. Uh, uh, so we started with it and it became very popular and at first it was only set TV and we were like hosting it but uh, after, soon uh, it's, uh, they said yeah, may maybe we should do a, you, your own show more musically and you can interview other play videos and stuff like that yeah and then we have started uh, written uh, club hopping uh, in the studio and I didn't uh, say that to the TV show and I said yeah and then we, since we're going to talk about clubs and artists, let's call the show Club Hopping. And they said, yeah, that's a great name. Yeah, we can do the vignette, you know, the intro. And the song was almost done. So and we did a mix on it and said, listen to this intro. Yeah, it's perfect for the show. So then we uh, market the, the, the hook Club Hopping and the name before they even knew that it was going to be our next record. But uh, they, I mean, they didn't mind because it, they all pulled each other, so to speak. The late 80s and the 90s were like a golden era for, for um, Sweden in, culturally. There was so much going on and it's sort of all, all built from that era. And so many people have come out of that era. Um, how much do you think... Um, your and uh, Robin Raz's, let's say, importance is in actually that whole scene and about bringing people, you know, forward because of your international success, um, because of what you you achieved in Sweden as well. How how big is that importance of Robin Raz in the the late eighties and through the nineties in terms of other people and their their what they could achieve because of what you achieved. Yeah, well, the first thing should be that since we had the first international dance music hits, it was proof that everybody can do it if you do something good. Because people doubted, no, we we just from small Sweden, we we cannot, and we were yes, we can, you know, and uh, so people got inspired by that, and also because the music scene was so small, I knew everybody that's soon gonna be work with music and we have met in clubs and we were like friends and 
so we could always uh, give it, it each other uh, and I, we could give them advice and stuff like that and um so so um but i think the main thing was to uh see that it it is possible because a lot of swedish people even the record companies before they they didn't think it was possible i mean often in in music and also in my business you know once once i left mtv you know the spotlight had moved and <laughs> you know then i wasn't known and uh, life changes and you develop in a different way. Um, although you were still in the, in, in the industry, the spotlight had focused on other people. How was that period for you to deal with? Um, I mean, we, then we, we always released some, uh, we had a great success even abroad with the DLC and nutrition in Holland and Germany and stuff like that. And then we came into, Maybe the year 2000, we uh, we had kids uh, and we said, let's, uh, we, we always had this studio and we started uh, our first uh, rec uh, publishing company and uh, production company in 1992. And instead of uh, buying uh, cars or watches for the money, we invested in the studio. So we said, let's... Uh, let's find other talents in Sweden and maybe write for them and stuff like that. So, uh, and also with the Lutricia and David, let, let's bring, in, bring them in the Robin Rass concept and then make them solo artists. So we, uh, we had this, at the time, very great studio and uh, uh, we listened to demos and we met people in clubs or bars and they say yeah can i come over and try and we say yeah come over it's for free and then we signed some people and uh, some of them made success so at that time we had toured so much so it was uh, nice to be home and actually spend some time with the with the kids and, and but we, we always had this yeah when we're gonna release the next robin Rast thing and uh, so it was a good, uh, it was good at that time anyway. And still we had, as always, this DJ thing that we, we said, let's keep on DJing because that's when we learn the crowd and see how people react to songs and we can play their demos and see the reactions and stuff like that. So, I mean, it was not like sitting home every, every day and uh, we still, did some gigs and some tours. I mean, what you we talked about one of the first artists you worked with is uh, Papa D. And in a sense, you know, we've got from 1988 to 2022, <laughs> and you're, you're still working with him. Um, uh, on Saturday, uh, we, me and Papa D are having a, a gig in Örebro in Sweden. And we, we uh, did a record uh, released uh, uh, last year and we're working in the studio with the uh, new songs. One of the key things I think in, in, obviously in your career is that the relationship between you and Rob. What, what do you think you both contribute and why has that worked for so many years? Uh, the thing, <laughs> I, actually, when we did this name, Rob and Raz, if we were I call our band Fire, for instance, I mean, and be four people, if we don't like the third guy or even two people, I can say I, I'm the name Fire 
and you're you're off and in with another guy. But it was so connected. Rob is Rob, Ras is Ras. We have to keep together. And as persons, we are extremely different on every. Uh, we have nothing in common, and uh, that's hard. But it makes it good because uh, I understand why he does something. Uh, when he does it and he don't understand why I do things and he don't care. So, uh, and but it was always focused uh, and we, of course we don't, didn't always agree, uh, but we were so connected and then you become like brothers. Uh, and even if we don't like the same things or even if we at times didn't like each other so much, so we have to do this. So, so we we have done. Um, then he moved to Spain a few years ago, and then we were about to do an. We had an album ready actually, with uh, some old songs and new. But uh, that, then we start talking about that, and I, I I have started so many other projects on my behalf, and he has started so many others. So we said we didn't couldn't agree how to work together so we said let's drop it so now we don't have so much contact uh, uh, we said let, let's just time uh, go and maybe we pick it up again well rose it's been great to talk to you because i think you know you and rob i have to say over the years have made an enormous contribution um you. to music and you really you know you are one of the 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 groups that have put um, Sweden on the map internationally and for me as I said you know in those early MTV days we've got to get with the Swedish music scene coming to Stockholm so often meeting you there meeting all the other people there it was a uh, it was a really great thing uh, to be involved in and I think you must be immensely proud uh, of your achievements over the years and to be a part and an inspiration for the Swedish music scene which you have been so thank you again and uh, yeah, I hope to see you one day on the streets of Stockholm. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say that you're always welcome here. And uh, let's do like we did before, you know. It's not <laughs> let's just kick it. And that's it for part two. I'm off to Sweden. No, not yet, but I will be. So Raz, look out and look out for another interview soon. Amazon's got the best deals on Black Friday. Oh, the best deals are on Cyber Monday. Friday comes first when it comes to saving. Monday's worth the wait for what you've been craving. Deals so good it'll feel like stealing. Real cool message, could you make it less appealing? What's with the beef? You can get that too. Why don't you call us? What's triggering you? Whichever day you're shopping on, you'll save a bunch at Amazon. On Black Friday, Cyber Monday too. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever, so you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free 
comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. Finding the perfect suit can seem impossible, but finding one that's perfect for you is easy with Indochino. Choose your design and custom details. Then submit your measurements online or get measured in store for a custom made-for-you fit at an incredible price. And shop their new fall collection for seasonal styles. Find your perfect suit with Indochino. Get 10% off any purchase of $3.99 or more with promo code FALLUPDATE at Indochino.com. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code FALLUPDATE.